I'm Maya. I'm Melissa. And I'm Olivia. And we're here to take you back to your, your Twilight phase. <laughs> I think that was really good. House may be okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, We hope that your life, now that you have the knowledge of Midnight Sun, is do- going great. It's got to be better than it was before. There's no way that the right. knowledge of my son makes anyone's life worse. I it's objectively not. better. Yeah. Um, we're here to continue with New Moon. Um, right. I would say it's a joy, except this section was not a joy. It was so yeah, hard to read. Good. It's hard. It's so hard. Uh, what a real like whiplash moment this is for us listeners because as we were recording the intro we were laughing really hard and now we have to talk about real bummer stuff yeah who wants to tell everybody what happens in this section i can um i finished reading it um like 10 minutes ago so thank you it's so fresh um so we only read chapter three which you know you might be thinking wow they only read one chapter this time but this is arguably the most important chapter of the entire book um you can fight me on that if you want my and olivia i don't know i mean i don't know that it's the most important chapter of the entire book but i would say that it's what i said it is an iconic set piece of the book it's something that when you're thinking of new moon it's very likely that you go to a moment in this chapter before you think about anything else right like right maybe you think about running through italy maybe you think about cliff jumping or maybe you think about this chapter i think about this chapter um and basically what happens in this a pretty lengthy chapter is that we immediately um come up with bella she's just woken up after the horrible birthday party um where she gets thrown across the room into glass you know etc um and edward was being all weird <laughs> um and basically though she is really put off by the fact that edward is being really distant and uh is being really weird like she's like why are you so bothered by this like your brother just you know injured me it's fine um classic bella and i don't know her anxiety level is just skyrocketing throughout the entire chapter like basically we're just here with her internal thoughts of like what's wrong like how can I fix this? What's the worst thing that I could live through? <laughs> Just teen angst is on high. Um, yeah, basically nothing happens because yeah. she's being stressed. Yeah, she's just stressed the entire chapter. Um, and then by the end of it, uh, that's where Edward does the breakup. And <sighs> she gets lost in the woods and is saved by Sam. She's saved yeah. by Sam. Um, and uh, and then it ends. She, like, succumbs to her depression. And then that's when we get the uh, multiple pages for the following months that are just blank. Oh, um, I didn't even go beyond the end of chapter three. So I didn't see that. I feel what? drawn immediately into the month chapters. But also, don't you just, like, know in your bones that that's what comes next? I mean, yes. Okay. Are you reading like an ebook or some such? Because in my edition, you know, you end chapter three and then literally the next, the next rego page, page. A is facing page. 
October. October. Yeah, no, I left my copy of New Moon at the office because when right. we left, oh, right. we didn't. You know, I knew that we weren't coming back ASAP, but I, I was really focused on just taking like. What am I going to need for like the next couple weeks of work? That's, that's how I felt too. Yeah. And so that's why I grabbed my plants at the job. Yes, <laughs> I grabbed one of your plants. We did yeah. manage to save Melissa's plants collectively. Yeah. And, and the bamboo Olivia. is doing well. Yeah. They're each taking care of one and they're doing a really good job. I'm doing okay. <laughs> okay. I am doing a really good job. <laughs> You're right. Um, but anyway. Chapter three of New Moon. Um, this was really hard to read. I mean, I mean, I, I feel like I don't remember if initially reading it. I knew what was happening yet or not. Um, well, Bella does come up with her own theory of what's happening. So I think initially you kind of roll with what she thinks, which is that she knows Edward is in a very bad mood and that he's um, self-blaming about her birthday party. And she thinks his solution is going to be removing the both of them. Right. In some way that like the two of them are going to leave or maybe she can't finish high school, but obviously Edward would never let her just leave in the middle of a year. Um, So she knows that something bad is coming. And I do feel like we get some more hints here of, and I feel like there's so many hints in this series of like, premonition Bella which we talked about during Twilight too and we get a little bit more of that here which as we all know doesn't pan out whatsoever like Um, she knows something really bad is happening and continually is like how like telling us how she's feeling that sense of foreboding and that you know what can she do to like keep whatever is gonna happen from happening and I want to say that that foreboding is really effective yes like as i was going through and highlighting things because yes i'm on an ebook there were so (laughs) many moments where i was like okay this isn't like enjoyable to read because stephanie meyer did such a good job like embodying bella's anxiety yeah and the fact that it's really slow like the whole first like two-thirds of this chapter really nothing really does happen and you're just sitting with her anxiety and that whole time I was like okay this reminds me of Moby Dick and here's (laughs) why when I read Moby Dick in college a book I don't recommend you read the whole thing well I read (laughs) a lot of it started skimming This was also the course where I was like in class one day and I just thought I smelled alcohol and I was like, who could be drinking? This doesn't make any sense. And the professor, I was in like the front row, like a total dork and the professor picked up his mug of coffee to take a drink. And I got like a flash of it. And I was like, the professor's drinking. I feel like that's such a quintessential college experience though. Like, of course your professor was was drinking. It was like afternoon. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, like, continue cool. about Moby Dick. Okay, yeah, yeah Moby Dick. So, what I was told about Moby Dick, I don't know if this is like a wide-held belief, is that part of the genius of this work of literature is that the reading experience reflects the plot. So when they're out mm. there on the boat and nothing is happening for like months at a time, the reading experience is super slow and painful. 
just like it would be if you were on a boat for months at a time. Whereas when it gets really actiony and stuff is actually happening, it comes out of nowhere. It's like a flash and then it's over. Um, yeah. And I was like, wow, but that's a terrible reading experience. Yeah, that's like a <laughs> bit and the bad out. part for the yeah. whole time. You know what's interesting is I had that realization once when I was reading a Jane Austen on a smaller scale because her book was good. I can't even say which book it was now because I kind of read them all at the same time. But there's some character who talks too much and is really long-winded and boring. And I remember at some point being in the middle of this like confusing paragraph about a bunch of people I didn't know. And I was like, why is she still talking about this? And I was like, oh, it's because this character is supposed to be really long-winded and boring. And I'm not supposed to care about what she's talking about. (laughs) It's like in The Princess Bride when the narrator is like, and because this is the abridgment, I'm going to skip 47 pages about hat. It's like, great. It's you had the 47 pages about hat. Yeah. I, mean, I just feel like, yes, now we have evolved to the point where can you convey the same thing with less but words? With less words. <laughs> um, like, okay, kudos to you for conveying that, you know, something was really uncomfortable by making me really uncomfortable reading it. But, like, right. you know, let's be better than that. There's a line. I think I just needed, like, three fewer pages about it. In New Moon. In New Moon. Yeah. In, yes, in I this agree. chapter. Because oh, yeah. it is important to sit in that emotional moment writers if you have a big emotional high or an emotional low like we want to fully experience it as readers but it was kind of painful and as discussed we we don't get the hap like another way to set these stakes is to see how happy they are together which as discussed we get literally none of we also in this chapter again bella mentioned something about how um like oh well alice is at my place all the time anyway and it was like bitch when right when are you friends i've never seen you in a scene without edward so i don't even know right and like there was another part that was equally it was like oh edward wasn't coming over tonight this was the first time this had ever happened um he always comes over and i'm like bitch i don't know that yeah also, I know that. that you live with your boyfriend. You're <laughs> They're soulmates. Maria. I was thinking about oh, whether you live with your soulmate. Do you think he? So there's no cell phones. Do you think he's really bored when he's just at Bella's while she's asleep? Does his vampire sense make him like be more interested with his own mind? Like, does time oh, yeah. pass faster? No, she is so insane. <laughs> especially in her sleep yeah he doesn't need anything else just like just looking at her ethereal face (laughs) she's angelic her chestnut hair laid across the pillow like a halo all right yeah let's talk more about the chapter (laughs) um so what I think is really interesting, though, is that we do sit so much in uh, Bella's anxiety, but then, I mean, technically, we aren't at this point yet, but then we fast forward through everything when we get to those months chapters, and I, like, would like some more sitting in that, too. I mean, like, I don't know. There just does seem to be, like, a really concentration in odd areas of, like, when we're really with Bella and all of mm. her feelings and when we're not. 
Mm. Um, and I do think that this would probably benefit from it being more evenly spread, but you know, it's better than life and death. So I think that's true about just like this book as a whole. Because, okay, I haven't read New Moon for a long time. So maybe when we like get deeper into this reread, I'll be like, I take that back. That was really <laughs> incorrect. But a lot of what Bella goes through in New Moon is just like this sense that she's numb and she like right. isn't feeling anything. So while it's a very painful experience and she's missing Edward a lot, there is like an emotional distance that Bella cultivates between herself and the reader because she's holding so mm-hmm. much emotion away from herself. Very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there is like basically as devastating as this chapter and book both are, it could be even worse. I think That's it true. could and should be in parts worse. <laughs> I feel like structurally as a second book, this this is a really strange book like yeah so structurally in Bella and Edward's relationship right like this is like first obstacle that breaks them apart before they can come together for real right like Mm -hmm. in a romance novel that's like the climax like normally like the characters almost sort of get together they're good briefly and then they have like final obstacle like wait this is never gonna work I actually lied you actually lied whatever it is they're broken up and then right at the end they get back together she has turned that little segment of most romance structures into an entire second novel and it's very strange and it's kind of like a repeat because we get some of that in twilight like right. that twilight is pretty structurally classic yeah classic yeah, like the break up is when they're separated and right. they have this right. massive final hurdle that is james right and now Ella's she's injured like, right like, okay i'm gonna break them up again what i was trying to remember when i was reading this is like when i had you know found out that there was going to be a sequel to twilight like just trying to get back into the head of me of like what is this book going to be about what did you think because, it would be right right like there it doesn't end with any sort of ongoing issue that needs to be resolved so i'm pretty except, sure i except what? for the vampire thing except they have well, not yeah, agreed yeah so right so that's, I, that's it yeah so the second book was mostly like okay well how do we get to the point where I guess she either does or does not become a vampire? Right. right. Um, but definitely did not envision any of what actually no. happens in book two. To right. Be book and two. that basically gets completely deferred. And by the end of this book, we're in the same place. Yes. <laughs> we started exactly where we finished. Or finished exactly where we started. Where we started. I think it actually makes a lot of sense to have them break up in the second book. What I don't think, like, is standard is to have one of the characters fully disappear. Right. If they, like, broke up, they were still in the same place, you'd be like, okay, yeah, this is, like, book two. This is movie two. They break up and they have to, like, find their way back to each other. Right. Awkward run-ins. She's still friends with Alice. Right. Yeah. But because I, he's completely gone, 
I feel like that's what makes it feel so strange structurally because like right. the massive character that is completely central to the plot of the first book is in theory gone forever and you're like right. Wait, what? What? Um, <laughs> we I have did... two main characters. <laughs> I did multiple times while reading this um, want to be in Edward's head for a lot of mm. it because, you know, That's Stephanie does I go, too. Right. She does a really good job of like sort of illusioning to like, oh, Edward is really mulling over some deep ass shit, mm-hmm. like soul worthy shit, and mm-hmm. comes to a conclusion that, you know, we just don't get to see. Mm -hmm. um and so what i really want is like a midnight sun but for new moon i literally (laughs) wrote that down i was like (laughs) i feel like i know a lot about what edward was thinking and feeling during twilight yeah right like he's there a lot he's pretty vocal he's like (laughs) i'm not good for you i want to be with you but i shouldn't be right not like a big mystery right like what's what is he weighing when he's trying to Mm -hmm. make this decision and then what is he doing when he's gone like there's so much more to edward's side of the story for new moon and the part of this chapter where i really started thinking about that was when they were in biology class I remember a moment where they're in English class and he like gives her an answer. Okay, yes. Okay, they're in English class. Um, the teacher asks Bella a question twice and she doesn't realize because she's thinking about Edward and Edward like whispers her the answer. And I was like, one, I would love to see this perspective from Edward's point of view. Like he has so much on his mind and he's just like next to Bella all day. He, like, doesn't really get the space to think on his own, except for when he's not with her at night. And he can't read her mind. He can't read her mind. And two, it must suck so much for those teachers who have to deal with this weirdly intense couple (laughs) in their class every single day. Like, how did they end up with every single class together? <laughs> Can't call Bella out on anything because Edward's whispering the answer. <laughs> like, the amount of PDA that must happen. But <laughs> I was like, if I were a faculty member, I would not talk about anything else besides <laughs> how weird and off. Well, this relationship they never break up like it's like intensity but not actual pda like probably right. they like touch pinkies and stare at each other a lot right right like, go deep into each other's eyes it's and like, just make them like, the hallway like a normal couple what are you doing exactly no they just like stare at each other but also i want this fan fiction of like <laughs> what the teachers were doing and talking about during all of this like Yes, I want Send that. Us links. I could not stop thinking about it. Yeah, listeners, if you have links to, like, I don't know, what Mr. Birdie is thinking. I was also that. thinking about Midnight Sun because very offhand, she mentions how Edward had gone to see, um, gone to Denali. Um, right. Is during... that how you I have no idea. Denali? Denali? Denali. No, I have no idea. We will look this up on the internet later. Um, anyways, he where is it? Alaska? It's Alaska, right? Yeah, he went to Alaska. 
during Twilight. And I totally forgot that. We're going to get to see that. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be so fun. After the English class scene, Bella is thinking to herself, like, ah, oh, how much shall I miss books when I take my leave right. of this place? Because she's, she's like, all right, I guess I'm, I got to be ready to go. But I actually kind of do like it here. Yeah. So she asked Jessica to take a bunch of photos of everybody. So, of course, Jessica, being a great friend and having the freedom of someone else's camera, takes a bunch of photos. That's not quite what I want to get to here. But I just, I just want to set that scene for the listeners so Bella has the pictures developed and then she is like going through them and about one of them. So it's like a picture of her and Edward and they're, they're like standing awkwardly side by side. I imagine them in like the American Gothic pose, like one of them yeah. has like a pitchfork um, and Edward's face is like really cold. And she says, but what was most troubling was the contrast between the two of us. He looked like a god. I looked very average, even for a human, almost shamefully plain. I flipped the picture over with a feeling of disgust. Mm. And the reason I bring this moment up is because it's like a moment that Bella is like experiencing pain and anxiety, but a different kind than what she's been experiencing for most of this chapter. And it's a kind that's like a lot more relatable. It's so relatable. Like we all have that feeling of knowing that the other shoe is going to drop, but not being able to do anything about it. So like we get where Bella's coming from for most of the chapter, but this one hits so close to home. Oh yeah. Everyone looks at photos and feels insecure. And I just felt so bad for her that not only is she dealing with all the like normal human anxieties of like being insecure and feeling like you don't look good in photos next to your handsome boyfriend, but like, also, she's keeping massive secrets. There's no one she can really talk to. And I just really felt for Bella in this moment. Yes, totally. And also, I did have a moment where I was like, thank God she's not going through all of this in the age of social media. Because mm. yeah. it would just be tenfold. It would be way worse. Uh, How would yeah. she delete all the photos? Right. Like, I mean, oh, she would know her password, actually. Oh yeah, no, he would he would literally know everything. It'd be fine. Um, but one of the sort of annoyances I had, which I think is pretty universal for any time I get to sort of conflict in any kind of like book, is like all of this could just be solved if you communicated with each other. Right. Oh, right. And it's right. kind of surprising that Edward, like in Twilight, he does a lot more like, I don't know what you're thinking and it's weird. Like, right. tell me what you're thinking. Usually I know what people are thinking and I don't know what you're thinking. And tell me. He does none of that here. Like, right. Don't you want to know? And Bella's thoughts like are continually like, I don't want to bring it up because I yeah. don't want him to be annoyed. And yeah. I don't know if I'll make it worse. But like, I'm like, girlfriend, if That's you're right. like, you're annoyed. Right, exactly. I'm like, you guys are, haven't talked in two days. Like, right. fucking talk to your boyfriend. Talk about the consequences of the things that happened to you. Right, like, talk it yeah, out. She so leaves that... to school, and she's like, school followed the silent, frustrating, terrifying pattern of the last two days. I felt relief when I saw Edward waiting for me in the parking lot, but it faded quickly. It was no different unless maybe more remote. And I wrote, say something to him. Yes! Say I li- yes. 
You are I underlined no the same thing before, except maybe more remote. Why aren't you feeling better yet? And if he's right. like, I'm fine, I'm normal, be like, no, you're not. Right? Like, let's talk it through. She even sits through the really uncomfortable scene of Edward and Charlie watching sports. Yeah. And like they're all sitting in her living room. And it's like, Edward doesn't want to watch sports. No. You don't want to watch sports. Charlie knows you both hate sports. What are you doing? And like, I get that, you know, they can't communicate in order for the rest of the book in order to happen. Classic. But it's still incredibly frustrating. Yeah, totally. Although they probably could communicate. And, and okay, so Edward couldn't say, like, I'm going to lie to you and say that I don't love you when I actually do. He couldn't do that. But he could say, like, I want to leave without you. Right. And then later be like, look, I realized that, like, I just don't feel the same way anymore. Because, right. okay, so let's talk about the breakup a little. Yeah. <laughs> it's devastating. It's devastating. It's I use the word devastating. Yes. They're breaking uh, up. They're in the woods by Bella's house. Edward's like, let's take a walk. And Bella's like, yeah, I would love to. Because she's like, okay, we're going to talk this out. Because she has like, she has that sense of foreboding, though. Like, the entire time that she's, like, walking in, she's like, how do I, how do I get out of this? Finally going to happen. Right. Oh, yeah. She's... She has a little voice in her head saying, this is bad. This is very bad. The voice in my head repeated again and again. Uh, Mm -hmm. At that moment, I wrote down, teenage me was feeling the fear. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I also have the foreboding. But as they're breaking up, I'm going to read a little bit of what he says. Yeah. He looked away into the trees as he spoke again. Of course, I'll always love you. Can we go back? Wait, yeah. Yeah. I think we should start even. We should start at the beginning. So, okay. He leans against a tree, which I find very callous to start with. Right. And the He's first being thing very intentionally um, nonchalant. Yes, nonchalant is exactly the word. The first thing he decides to say is, Bella, we're leaving. Which is such a cold way to break up with somebody. Right. Like, he doesn't bring up anything that she wants to talk about. He doesn't say it straight out. He says this like vague... Right, like we're leaving and that has consequences that I'm not verbally saying. And so at first she misunderstands, like she thinks that it's what she thought that they are going to leave together. Right, very understandably so. Right, and then he uh, is continues to be sort of confusing. He's like, well, we have to leave. How much longer could we really stay in Forks? And she's like, what? Right, the lack like of emotion. the same amount as you planned before. Right, <laughs> right. It's just very disconcerting because there is just like this total lack of emotion coming it's from him. Very cold. Um, and I did underline one sentence, sort of like when she like kind of starts to realize like what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, you know, she says awareness was beginning to seep through me, trickling like acid through my veins. Yeah, and like. That just for me also brought up, like, I can remember times where you just, like, get news that is just so contrary to anything that you could have ever predicted that you just, like, it feels like someone's dumped ice on your head. And I viscerally felt that in this description for Bella Mm -hmm. because truly she says, like, 
what's the worst thing that she could live through was you know them just going away together and now what's worse than that is happening so like Mm -hmm. Bella can't even envision living right now yeah she couldn't even anticipate them breaking up is one of the possibilities no exactly and she tries to engage she tries to engage with what she thinks he actually means like she he's saying really mean things like I'm no good for you my world is not for you and she comes back with what happened with Jasper that was nothing Edward nothing and he blows it off and she says I know this is about my soul you can have my soul I don't want it without you I was like girl like she's super desperate and she's also trying to engage with what he actually means and he does not oblige like they don't actually talk about any of their problems right no she can identify them Right. This is not the Edward that we all know that she knows. Like it's like how do you, how are you supposed to sort of communicate and I don't know convince this person of something that you want with another version of that person. Mm. And I think that's really the thing is that like if someone is breaking up with you, you really can't convince them to not break up with you. Right. Bella says, "Don't be ridiculous." I wanted to sound angry, but it just sounded like I was begging. Mm. And I was like, uh, that's so infuriating. That moment where you're like trying to make yourself be heard and it's just like coming out wrong and desperate. And she stoops to a level that like in your normal clear head, you're like, oh, I would never beg someone to be with me. Like, I'm sure Bella would be like, "Mm, that's just not who I am. But then this comes so out of, okay, I mean, Bella, but in her own head, she would be like, oh, no, that's just not the kind, I'm, like, strong, I'm independent. Bella considers herself hugely independent. Like, she wouldn't think that she'd be the kind of person to beg someone to stay with her, Mm -hmm. with them. Right. But But she's so blindsided that she does and she like says these things that are so like sad and needy like you can have my soul it's yours already and it's really hard to read it makes sense I mean especially because Edward ends up making this like you know extremely about him not wanting her um Mm -hmm. you know which we know he does purposefully um later in the book but it's just, it's not like, oh, I'm worried about your soul. I'm worried about what my impact does on you. He makes it, I don't want you. I feel like I could kind of tell. Like, it's sort of oh, obvious yeah. that yes. the only thing that has changed is the danger that she's in. And we already know that he's a very, like, self-loathing, self-sacrificing right. person. So, of course, he still loves her and is doing what he thinks he needs to do. Right. To break up with I mean, her and to hurt her more so you I think you see right through it oh yeah I, mean, I don't leaves. think I did as a teenager oh. I think Stephanie leaves like lots of clues like because they're always talking about the hardness of Edward's eyes and you know how mm-hmm. there was like a flicker of something and um and also you know he asks her to promise him not to like do anything reckless and, I'm and like, that's, well, that's that's the only the time giveaway. that his eyes melt Right. I want to get to that stuff, but I want to go back to the part that I started to read mm-hmm. before. 
So he says, of course, I'll always love you in a way. But what happened the other night made me realize that it's time for a change because I'm tired of pretending to be something I'm not. Bella, I am not human. Here's what I want to say about this. Mm -hmm. One, to our point from previously about like him just telling the truth, he could have told her the truth and been like, I'm tired of pretending to be a human when I'm not a human. Like where we're going next, I'm not going to go to high school. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going, like maybe we won't even have like a proper house. Like if that's true, I don't know. He could be like, it's legitimately, truly not a world that you belong in. Mm Mm-hmm. I like I'm not gonna take you along with me also simultaneously he could like be with Bella away from society without him having to pretend to be human but whatever how dare he Mm -hmm. he's lying I mean yeah Mm -hmm. this is Edward having also decided that you know this is uh super high stakes like you know her soul is on the line so like you know there is no oh, well, hopefully if we just escape together, her soul will be fine. You know, like, this is so much larger than him, and so he reacts in a way that's equally dramatic. But still, in this moment, like, one, you're right, he's Mm -hmm. thinking about her soul, and also just, like, even beyond her soul, just, like, her life, like, whatever's gonna happen with her soul, like, her life might be cut short by Jasper, if we hang around here but this moment I think really stuck out to me when I was a teenager and that made me convinced not that he didn't love her but that he really didn't truly want to be with her anymore because mm-hmm. he said like the other night made me realize that it's mm-hmm. time for a change like, like this was convincing. right like yeah. that that can be true 100%. right, yeah. right. You know, that, he can totally just be tired right Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't doubt that he's like not lying there for sure. But like, you know, I doubt that he doesn't want her anymore. Like, I think that you can right. be tired and want to change and still want someone but realize that it can't be that way ultimately. And so I think that's why he's like, suddenly like, I actually just don't want you. Because also, right, what is Bella going to say to that? You can't. That's, it's nothing. definitely very effective and kind of manipulative because totally I you know that that's not true and it's what he knows that he has to say and I think that he knows that Bella might actually believe that and that she can't feel she can't argue because of her very low self-esteem yeah it's fucked up in comparison to him when you're being broken up with you shouldn't argue anyway like even if someone's you know for a fact are just incorrect like if someone wants to break up with you you just have to let them break up with you the on the other hand break up with you is enough on the other hand edward here is breaking up with her in order to save her and i think it's presented as a very noble thing but in a way he's also just taking away her own choices like i think he yes. loves her. He wants to be with her. If if all things were different, say, in life and death, of course he wants to be with her as her, with her being a vampire forevermore. Like, he wants all those things. He just doesn't want her to make the sacrifices that she has to make in order for that to happen. And this is really just him 
not letting her make the decisions about her own sacrifices. This is him deciding that her life is better if she stays human and he leaves. I feel like that only goes so far. I think that you're right about him refusing to turn her into a vampire, that that's taking away her agency. But him leaving in this instance, like, she really did almost just get murdered. And he is struggling every moment that he's with her to resist her blood. And so far he's been successful, but it's only at the end of this book when he's like, yeah, I'm really over the whole your blood thing. Like before it was really touch and go every moment. Like, well, it's, it's interesting because we don't get his, we don't get his danger to someone to remove yourself from mm-hmm. that. I feel like isn't really taking away their agency so much as, like exhibiting your own agency like Mm -hmm. okay i was making bad decisions yeah Hmm. well we really don't get his thought process so we don't know but he like does it in a way that leaves bella with no agency you know like he doesn't actually communicate the truth to her and like what he's thinking and feeling he has created a response that he knows she can't have any rebuttal against because of what he knows about her and her insecurities like he's literally crafted a response so that she can't do anything um and And so i I do think that some agency being taken away there i take your point maya if somebody wants to break up with you they can break up with you like you both have to agree to be in a relationship to be in a relationship together but i guess it feels like here he doesn't what he wants is not them to break up. What he wants is her safety. I, it just feels different to me somehow. It's like, it's not that he doesn't want to be with her. So it feels like a different situation where she should have more say in what happens. He is lying when he says, I don't want you anymore. Yeah. But I think what distinguishes it is that he's not in my opinion, thinking only about the danger that Jasper represents, but the danger that he also represents and the rest of his family. And he's like, look, this was wrong of me the whole time I knew that it was wrong to build this relationship with someone when I'd be putting them in so much danger. And now I don't have a choice but to face the fact that I was doing something ethically wrong. Like, I should not be around someone whose blood calls to me this much. Mm. It's too dangerous. My family shouldn't have humans, like, in our home because that's clearly irresponsible. Right. I just think the way that he went about then removing himself from, you know, Bella's fear was just over-manipulative then. Mm-hmm. Um like he definitely sort of took advantage of you know the insecurities that she has and you know like her own sort of like imposter syndrome in the Mm -hmm. relationship and use that in a way so that she I don't know would believe his lies I don't want to be too much of an Edward apologist because (sighs) um while I am team Edward it's also important to acknowledge that like he does take advantage of her and lie to her yeah. a lot and exert his influence and all those things and sneak into her house at night. Right. But I think that in the context of New Moon, that your point is just canonically, canonically, 
canonically, canonically? because at the end of the book if you remember he's like I was lying through my teeth about that and I thought that of course you would see through it because you know I told you a million times how much I loved you and I thought (laughs) you and I were going to be out there in the forest arguing for hours because you'd be refusing to believe that I didn't love you I don't remember that conversation Look so I'm to. eager to get to it, but also you don't get to lie to somebody just because you think they're cool. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's I just mean, he was lying and it was wrong, but it just like to okay, but the point of just... the book, he mm-hmm. didn't think she would believe it. Uh-huh. Okay, but I just think that he used that argument like specifically because it would have an impact on her. Like, there's a billion ways that he could lie. Like, the whole point is that he's not telling the truth, so he could go any way. And he, perp- and like, I don't know if it was purposefully then or not, but he did end up choosing the way that, like, completely gutted her. True. And I like so... I use that argument just because it's, like... Because it would work. Because you have to say something that puts, like, a, a cap on it that's, like... Ending. Yeah, no matter what situation happens... It's not like, oh, we because can't it's be not arguable. Anymore, so right. come with me someplace else. Yeah, it's not, it's arguable. not arguable. He doesn't understand just how deep her self-esteem issues run. And so Maybe. he can't fully, like, I don't know. I think that's giving him a cop out. Like, I don't know. They're supposed to be soulmates and he's a vampire who notices everything. Like, it's not a secret that Bella, you know, she doesn't talk that though. she's. Like, we're in her head, but we don't know how much she really conveys to him because we never see them in their normal habitat. (laughs) And I really am fully basing my argument on that scene at the end when he's like, but I told you how much I loved you all the time. So why did you believe me when I said the opposite once? And he's like, so confused. He like truly just you can tell from that scene i can't wait for us to get there I, he really like doesn't understand like, does he not understand human natures and maybe like... not he's not a human <laughs> yeah but okay. he gets to see their minds true also true it sounds like we're going to revisit yeah. this needless to say whatever level of horrible edward is here bella is deeply devastated and numbed and Edward pieces out. Yeah, just um, straight up leaves. Just leaves. And he kisses her on the forehead, which is which a is clue weird. that there is something deeper emotionally going on for him. That this oh. is a struggle for him. Also, he, he re- and like, like a breeze, is it gone? But also, he reveals that his family is already gone and will not be saying goodbye to her, which is also Oof. real rough. Yeah, that's that rough. really sucks on their part. It does. It truly sucks on the whole family. Edward, WTF, she's our friend. They're so emo, I'm gonna say goodbye to her. Right. Alice is supposedly her best friend. Supposedly, apparently. (laughs) Right, but she just pieces also without saying anything. Doesn't say anything. So then Bella follows Edward into the forest. Makes no sense to me that Edward just lets this happen, honestly, because she's Bella and we get this very it actually really reminded me for another literary callback reminded me of um like Jane Eyre or even some Jane Austen scenes where um she 
walks out into the wilderness of the forest and stumbles around and is sad and numb and then she collapses and then she hears somebody shouting her name but it's muted and she can't bring herself to respond to it and it was just very like Jane Eyre wandering oh, yeah. moors in her agony and despair have you guys ever been so sad or so sick that you just haven't been able to like respond to someone that's in front of you yes yeah it I was like when I had swine, swine flu. <laughs> swine flu? My aunt was like over at our house to give my mom something or something, and she stuck her head in and was like, Hi, Maya. I hear you're sick. And I was like just barely awake, and I wanted to say hi, and I was just too weak, and I just couldn't wow. do it. And I still think about it like once a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking like about, I don't know, True emotionally. Sex. Right. <laughs> Like, I definitely had experiences where, I don't know, you've just been delivered some, like, sort of traumatizing news, and you, like, just aren't able to be out of your own head, and therefore, like, you, I don't know, just, like, what's going on around you does not compute. Like, yeah. that's definitely happened. Um, And I want to say that, you know... Obviously, this is sort of like a majorly traumatizing event for Bella. Um, you know, whether we think it should be or not is moot. It is a big moment for her. And so I do think that going like forward in the book, like we'll be able to visit this in other episodes. But like, I don't know. I wish that Stephanie Meyer had treated this moment, I don't know, with more respect moving forward. If that makes sense. I think that does make sense because Bella has this trauma and a breakup is a terrible thing to go through. Like super painful, not fun at all. And Bella's response here, I think what Stephanie Meyer is trying to do is be like, look, they're true soulmates. And this is like what you do when you're ripped apart from your true soulmate. But mm -hmm. the way that it kind of comes across is Bella being like unreasonable and kind right. of dramatic. dramatic. And I don't think that that does Bella well, a service. The mm. following blank, you know, chapters for the months definitely don't help at all. Like, you know, it's very much sort of like, oh, this traumatizing event happened. And now, you know, we're just going to fast forward through her actually dealing with it. Yeah. Um, which I think well, it she does doesn't deal with it. Right. But like months. still, but that, that is something that, you know, we should be able to see. I think like we don't get to fast forward through like the bad parts of traumatizing events to just get to the part where we're like, you know, having people tell us we need to go to therapy. Right. Like the months that follow this event aren't important. And I think that just being like October, November, December, it's just like dramatic and and doesn't actually, you know, speak to sort of like the sort of cat cataclysmic feelings that Bella is experiencing. I actually find that so interesting because for me, the blank months are actually so effective in conveying the emptiness of a depression that like yeah there's nothing to say about that week because I you know like nothing 
happened. It was so terrible that I have nothing to say about it. But at the same time, it does skip over something, right? I mean, it's like three right. months. It's yeah. four months. And so it does at the same time as that imply that the only thing happening in Bella's life was Edward. And now that Edward right. is gone, there is literally nothing to say. Which is, I think, the major complaint about this section of this book, and then therefore the entire series. Is that right? That is that without Edward, she doesn't have anything. But I think what people kind of don't think about is that it's not like a lack of Edward, but like the event itself that happened that, you know, she had no foreseeable way of anticipating and it was really Mm -hmm. traumatic and she got lost in the woods and like that event is what really happened to her it's not so much like oh I really really liked this boy and he broke up with me you know it's like really funny no (laughs) what no (laughs) the criticism of Bella is that there's nothing in her life except for Edward and she like doesn't have her own like interests or like goals that she pursues. But when that changes and she has something else in her life that she cares about, Renesme, we all make <laughs> fucking fun of her. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that she actually gets a whole book of just her without the love interest. Do we still complain about it? <laughs> That's fair too. Like this could be a very effective book of like Bella finding herself and being like, whatever, I don't need Edward. Like, obviously, we'll get into this as we go, but, like, it's also not quite when this book is. Right. What I so fun if Bella <laughs> was like, okay, you know what? I don't need Edward. Right. And then she but... finds out from Alice that Edward's going to go kill himself. And she's like, damn, oh. but I didn't want him to die. I got to go save him. Right. And then he's like, will you take me back? And she's like, I don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And that would have been interesting. I, yeah, I would have loved, like, you know, Bella coming into herself and being like, right, I did really love this person, but I am my own person and I have a life outside of this. And then, like, I don't know, the opportunity coming back and she makes, like, the choice, you right. know. It feels very much like throughout all of Twilight that, you know, she isn't, doesn't have many choices. Like, you know, she's just like, this is my life now. She like, made the decision one right. third of the way into Twilight and never right. changed her like, mind. I'm a soulmate, therefore, right. um, it's all decided for me. I want to go back a little bit to plot-wise what's actually happening. Yeah. So Bella gets broken up with. She's running through the woods. She gets confused. She falls down. She stays there, hears these voices. Uh, and I just want the listeners to know that we get the title in this chapter. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, it's just so dark. Like, you'd think there'd be, like, a little bit of moon, like, making it down through the trees to me here on the fourth floor. But she's like, not tonight. Tonight, the sky was utterly black. Perhaps there was no moon tonight. A lunar eclipse. A new moon. A new moon. I shivered. I wasn't cold. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing that we get in this chapter is our very first wolf clue. Yes, yeah. because and I did she, not remember it. 
Oh, well, yeah. because if you don't know what's coming, I think it's not very noticeable because all she hears is a snuffling, snuffling. <laughs> near her and then it goes away. So you can easily just be like, oh, well, why is there like a oh, raccoon around? But really, it's the wolves because <laughs> then she gets picked up by Sam Yuli. And the only thing that she cares about is Charlie. And finally, she hears Charlie's voice. She's like, wait, I must wake up for Charlie. This reminds me of something that we didn't talk about, though, which is one of Edward's, like, things, which is is he made Bella promise not to, like, do anything stupid. He's like, for Charlie's sake, you know? Yeah. It's it's only for Charlie. So rude. I noted that, too. I was like, this is unnecessary. Edward always goes over the top. He could just tell her that since he's not going to be around anymore, she needs to be extra careful because even though he doesn't want to date her anymore, he doesn't want her to fucking die. I right. Know, right. He, he will always love her in some way. Right. Like, you're be a normal to person. not want them to die. Right. Yeah, like, I know I've saved your life. The classic. Like, I still um, care about you. Yeah. Don't exactly. Um, your number also... has been up. <laughs> but I Don't love die. that. He also doesn't mention Renee. Like, nope. <laughs> she doesn't matter. Whatever. Right. Like, what is, just this is for Charlie. Charlie is who we care about. No, I mean, like, yeah, that's true. For your parents, <laughs> it's just as easy. <laughs> so Sam picks her up. I'm wondering how Sam is described. I'm like going through, and I don't remember if he like. Was he running through the woods with like a full outfit, like tied to one of his legs? Right. Because the werewolves always run really hot, right? So it would have been really interesting if like he had picked her up and she had been like, he was like weirdly hot. I must have been so cold down there. True. No, but I don't. Yeah. I thought you were referring to the fact that they always lose their clothes when they transform and we don't know how he has clothes. Maybe Sam wasn't transformed and the other wolves were. Right. And then told him where she was and he picked her up. I don't know. Well, I thought that he just like got naked, then transformed, then somehow as a wolf got his his clothes again. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. Carried them in his We'll get all those deets later. Um, We do get like I don't know, some really great Charlie as a dad moment. Yeah, he's like, so good. He's such a good dad. And I loved his, like, outrage over Edward just leaving her in the forest. Because, yeah, he just he left did. her in the forest. That's I like that he's still mad about that, even when Bella is like, um, actually, though, he left me in view of the house. And then I just, like, <laughs> went running. <laughs> but, like, like, I think Charlie's also like, okay, but yeah, but we know you. And you're incapable of, like, not tripping down a flight of stairs and out a window. <laughs> but and also, like, no, Dad, I can see the house. <laughs> Charlie also has the information that Carlisle supposedly took a job in Los Angeles. And that, you know, he knows the cover story. And he's like, didn't Edward tell you? And it's right. like, okay, obviously, this isn't, like, a truth that Edward should have told her but he didn't even feed her the like covers the false information like well we're telling people this but he did leave a note in the house so that charlie would know that she was in the woods um he also took all of her belongings (laughs) 
I yeah. want to get to that first. I have a Charlie criticism, which is yeah. probably one of my only ones ever. I, would <laughs> I don't die hear for it. Charlie. I don't. I okay. already don't agree. <laughs> they're all in my house. All these people have been looking for Bella, and they're like asking her like what happened. And everyone in town basically is in her house, like watching her wet on the couch, just like falling apart. Mike Newton is there. But <laughs> Charlie, be like, okay, we found her. Everybody, go. like, yeah, like, don't, don't look at her in this state, please. Like, I was just so humiliated on that. Oh, behalf. yeah. Charlie, oh, I loved it. I was like, the drama. The cops, the doctors, the neighbors, okay, the no, this was, I was this like, was go literally home. my dream. I was like, have yes, I'm going to have been lost in the woods, been <laughs> saved. Everyone is going to be so worried about me. They're all going to be huddled around my unconscious body. And you and look terrible. No- yeah, exactly. I'm, I look like I may have almost died. Okay, but you and Bella are different people, and Bella it's, doesn't like this. It's true. Okay, but I'm just That's saying true. that teenage me was living for all her friends, seeing her in such a reduced state. I was just like, yeah, you guys, this is a terrible traumatic moment, and it just, you, none of you understand. <laughs> so messed up. <laughs> I acknowledge it's messed up. As long as you so know. And then, yeah, we find out that Edward has taken away the CD that he made her with her lullaby on it. And he's taken the pictures of himself. Yeah, what the fuck? And torn them <laughs> out. And... What? I said inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. Like, so mean, so controlling. I feel like doing your own, like, process of deciding like what you keep and what you get rid of and when you do it and right. putting it all in the box like that's a whole like stage process of processing of a breakup yeah. Yeah. really so shitty like that he did it for her about him being manipulative and how he orchestrates this breakup i think this is one of the worst things because this yes. does take away her agency of like how she wants to heal how she wants to remember he's yeah. deciding for himself that a clean break is what's best for her instead of her being as if I'd never existed like that's not a healthy way to deal with an ex (laughs) is to pretend that they never existed immediately starting the moment they break up like he is so concerned about her like physical life that he is not at all considering that he might be like fucking her up for emotional life yeah so true (laughs) And you know what? He's a hundred years old, so he should probably understand. (laughs) But he was already so mature when he was changed. (laughs) (laughs) So later on in the book, we find out that he didn't actually like steal her stuff so much as hide it under her floorboards. And I I don't want to ask you that either. How do you remember all of this? I loved. Twilight. I love to I mean, Yeah, but same way. I don't remember that shit. <laughs> okay, well, the end of it is the super emotional part where they reunite and talk about their feelings. So I read the beginning and I skipped the middle a bunch <laughs> and I yeah. read the end 50 million times. Of course. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. So 
he hid her stuff under her floorboards. I just want to ask you guys, like, is that real? Like, have you ever been able to just pull up a floorboard? No, and that no that is like in Harry Potter when he's got a whole cape. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's such like a like book thing is like hiding things in floorboards. But literally never have I been able to do that. Like, if anything, my floors are made of linoleum. Um, I can imagine a very old house that I've been in where like maybe in the corner of a room, maybe, but like even if the floorboard is loose, why is there a hole under it? There should be more floor. Right? I wonder how floors work. Yeah. but Under the floor, there's more floor. No, under the floor, there's beams and shit. And then the ceiling for the room below like it makes sense no it doesn't make sense yes it does <laughs> no there's a solid level of floor under your wood it's floor. not like it's concrete there's gonna be there's spaces and shit i think that there are spaces i think melissa's right it's like there are like That's vertical beams and like yeah. where the hard wood like is hammered in it's like hammered <laughs> into a beam so in between their spaces awesome. but i was like who who just has access? But like Edward is a vampire who can literally just rip open the rip floor. Honestly, like, he would probably it break it. Without ruining it, he would definitely just break it. He's a vampire, he and then Bella would be like, "Together, what the fuck is wrong with my floor?" And then she'd be like, "Oh, why the fuck no. did Edward break my floor to move my no, shit?" No, you guys don't understand that he's a vampire and does everything perfectly and seamlessly, and then fixes it perfectly and seamlessly. Listeners, I want to know if you have access to your floorboards. <laughs> yeah, let us know. I want to know what... Okay, listeners, write in and tell me what you would do if you pulled up your floorboard and found a bunch of your own shit that an ex clearly <laughs> hid in there. Like, at this point, can you even call the police? It's clearly deranged behavior, but they're gone. Like, no. what do you do? There's, no, there's nothing you can do. You just write in your journal for 10 years about it. Does he... He tell us why he hid it in her well, floorboard. That's like, what was later. The okay. answer is yes, but yeah, we'll get to it. We'll okay. get to it. First, we have to wallow in Bella's deep, dark depression. And that's true. Except oh, we I'm don't really. We skip it. I, okay. I didn't really weigh in on the months. I'm going to say my piece. I like the months because the point that Bella is making is that she's numb for this whole time and she's not feeling anything and she's not processing anything and then when we leave the months if i remember correctly charlie is like like i'm gonna send you home like you you're not okay you're not like processing this at all you're not healing and we jump back in when she starts to feel anything again i don't know I, I just feel like we're Ignoring the fact that she's a functioning human being who does have to get through life. As someone who has experienced depressions, I find it very effective and relatable, despite the cons that I also said earlier. Yeah. And and I remember it being very impactful upon first read. Because you just, like, turn the page and you're like, wow, she's so... True. It is a dramatic effect. ...about this like she's not a functioning human being right and also it's artistic yeah it's a good artistic device i think and that's the chapter i think that 
Oh, we didn't do um, best sentence, worst sentence. I actually found some as we were going. I did too. I was really proud of myself. I um, had multiple best sentences. I don't have a worst sentence. I don't wow, know just, that like, might be a first. Truly not trying to pay attention too much because it was so agonizing. But like, I have multiple good sentences. Wow. Well, my best sentence is one that Melissa already read, which is Bella um, reacting to the news where she says, my voice was just a whisper now. Awareness was beginning to seep through me, trickling like acid through my veins. <clears throat> That's a good one. Mm-hmm. My best sentence is two sentences. So much had changed and so abruptly. It made me feel a little bit dizzy, like I was standing on an edge, a precipice somewhere much too high. Mm. Just a really serviceable sentence. It's also good Great foreshadowing. Sentence. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's true. Um, my, I think my best sentence isn't so much like a single sentence, but like a sentiment that Stephanie conveys. Um, and it's where Dr. Grandy... Gerandy, I don't know how to say his name. Whoever that the doctor small town is. doctor doing yeah. a house call. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and he asks, Are you hurt, Bella? And Bella in that moment goes back to the memory of Sam asking a similar but different question of only Sam had asked something else, have you been hurt? He'd said. Mm-hmm. The difference seemed significant somehow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Yeah, it is significant. Are you hurt versus have you been hurt? I was like, Stephanie, that's, I love that you called this out. It's so different. So good. My worst sentence is one that just really makes me laugh. Uh, (laughs) Charlie is uncomfortable with the number of pictures that Bella is taking. So she, he says, enough pictures for tonight. Charlie said, then shoving the camera into a crevice (laughs) of the sofa cushions and rolling over it. He takes this expensive, fragile gift, just like stuffs it deep into the couch and rolls on top. What? He just can't bear to have any more pictures taken. I did laugh a lot. How is no one like, this isn't how a human being Charlie, you're gonna break it. That's my worst sentence. Okay, my worst sentence. Oh, go ahead is um when bella is thinking of renee and she thinks that she's going to have to like leave her life forever or indefinitely she says somehow living without her for as long as i had did not make the idea of a more permanent separation easier of course not seeing your mom for a long time doesn't make you think you could live without her forever like (laughs) Of, co- of course it's not easier. A permanent separation from your mother is always going to be painful, no matter your current circumstance. Like, the logic makes negative sense. Right, right. It's, it's very not true. Like, like an acquaintance from elementary school, like, oh yeah, I've been going without her, right. don't really miss her. Right. You did not see her. It's your mom who Old lived mother. for 17 years. <laughs> You only moved like a year ago. Like what? Yeah, you're liter- yeah. you're still a child, even though you're a legal yeah. adult. Like you're still a child. Yeah. Um, um, before I... we wrap up, oh wait, yeah, Melissa, Melissa I forgot to sentence. So, all right, like I said, I didn't pick out a specific sentence, but I just once again have a gripe 
I don't know, where I just didn't understand what kind of camera this was. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you know, it was small enough to be shoved into cushions, but That's it also true. needed film and had straps. And so, like, I had initially been picturing, like, this really expensive, maybe, yeah. like, Nikon or Canon, you uh-huh. know, like, nice film camera but then right charlie like shoves it in the couch and i was just like and she gets she gets the film developed in like a couple hours yes yeah exactly so i was just continually throughout i was taken out of the story from wondering (laughs) about this stupid camera and it just really (laughs) reminded me about the same way i was taken out whenever stephanie would describe any part of an airport and (laughs) uh so funny so it's not, I didn't really have a sentence so much as a, a stupid goddamn camera. I just didn't get it. Amazing. Before we wrap up, I have a piece of fan mail that came in right after we finished our last recording. So I just want to give a shout out to Rachel. Rachel, thank you so much for writing in. She was like, I'd been waiting for an update, but not expecting one. So I was thrilled for the new episode. You can't listen up there. Keep going. Rachel, I'm so happy that you stayed with us. You can know that no matter how long it takes, we will get you that next (laughs) episode. This is our promise to you. And I just really love that we have listeners out there that are like, you know, my odds aren't good, but I'm (laughs) going to keep checking. It just really made me happy to know that people think about us. (laughs) I waited for us to read Life and Death. And yeah, yeah, we appreciate you. <laughs> um, I just want to highlight that we have gotten some hella good fan interaction lately. And I just feel like what? I've made some new friends. We appreciate like, you all. Right? Like, so hey, much. Bridget, I see your interaction on our <laughs> post and I appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Bridget, your comments have been great. Melissa showed us your Instagram. You're so cool. <laughs> Right, we're stalking all of you, FYI. Um, only lightly, only lightly. No, I, I went roll deep. Well, you know, there's just so many of you at this point that we can't <laughs> really All right, all right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cutting this short. I'm cutting this short. Uh, please remember to enter our giveaway and tell your oh, yeah. friends to away three copies of Midnight Sun. There are two ways you can enter. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review there. It'd be awesome if it's five stars, but not required. Shout out to Sunday who rated us three stars and then sent a very hilarious email that was like, that was an accident. (laughs) (laughs) That. Um, Um, I do appreciate the apology though, because I was real salty when I saw three stars. (laughs) I was like, like, how dare? It's fine. (laughs) No, I was mad. (laughs) um and the other way that you can enter is by making a post on social so like tumblr instagram twitter facebook wherever you exist on the social landscape um make a post and tag us so that we so that people can find the podcast um and we just want to be popular that's literally the whole point of this we just want to grow our community and share the twilight love you know i'm gonna be popular I think that next week we will probably be reading chapters four and five, even though we didn't discuss that. Oh, yeah. Who knows? That sounds right. That's what we'll do. Sure. I don't know. I'm going to feel it out. I'm going to feel it out and let you guys know. Um, As always, you guys can contact us at twilightfacepodcast at gmail.com. 
We are Twilight underscore phase on Twitter and Instagram, and we're Twilight Phase Podcast and Tumblr. Disclaimer, we own nothing. The Twilight Universe and all characters belong only to Stephanie Meyer. Please don't sue us. Audio editing by Maya Marlette. Cover image by Laura Shermer. Our theme music is written and performed by Adrian Morton. Listeners that still read fan fiction, do they still do those disclaimers? Do you know Probably not. It's we could very me throwing back to like 15 years ago. But yeah, but we can I also easily look this up. I mean, I want to keep doing the disclaimer anyway because it's fun. <laughs> I, know, I really like be it. Back next week, and if you don't like it, you can write me. Bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, love me. Love our friends.